In episode 483 with online marketing genius, Amy Porterfield, we talk about how to create an online program that lights you up, makes you money and makes an impact, how to build a list plus so much more. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide and Comparisonitis. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Hey, beautiful, and welcome back to the show. I am so excited about this episode because online marketing and the online digital world have been such a passion of mine for so long. And if you have wanted to start your dream online business and maybe a program or some sort of course that lights you up, makes you money and makes an impact in the world, you are going to love this conversation. And for those of you that have never heard of Amy, she is an ex-corporate girl turned online marketing expert and CEO of a multi-million dollar business. Today, Amy empowers people across the globe to take their futures into their own hands and find professional autonomy, independence, achievement, and success far beyond what a corporate glass ceiling would traditionally allow. Her action-by-action teaching style provides aspiring business owners with the tools they need to bypass the overwhelm and build a business they love. Like I said before, if you have been thinking about starting an online business, course, program, whatever, you are going to love this conversation. And for everything that Amy and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash 483. For everything that we mentioned in the episode, it'll all be there in the show notes. Now let's bring on this beautiful goddess, Amy Porterfield. Amy, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Oh, I love this question. I had plain Greek yogurt with some pomegranate and some peach and a little honey. (laughs) It was delicious. Oh, yeah. It's a very bright and colorful breakfast. I love it. It was. Now, you have such an incredible story. I want to hear how you got to where you are today. You used to work for Tony Robbins. How did you go from being a corporate girl to this online marketing expert and CEO of a multi-million dollar business? How did this all unfold for you? You know, if you would have told that girl 13 years ago that I would have a business like I have today, I would have never believed you. I never, ever sought out to be an entrepreneur. I never thought that would be part of my story. I always thought I'd be a corporate girl for life. I like security. I like that paycheck coming in regularly with the benefits. I like to climb that corporate ladder. I really excelled in the corporate world and I'm a rule follower. So that helped as well. However, when I worked for Tony Robbins, he had a meeting one day where I was called in, this is so humbling, to take notes at this meeting. And it was a bunch of internet marketers who had created digital courses and he wanted to learn more about their businesses and what they were doing because he was moving in that direction. And that day changed everything for me because it was all men. So there's no women that were there, but all these men were talking about the freedom they experienced, lifestyle freedom, financial freedom, creativity freedom. They were their bosses. They were calling their own shots. They were running the show. And in that moment, I thought, I want more freedom. And it was just like a light bulb switched on. And I realized in that moment, I wanted to work when I wanted to work, where I wanted to work, how I wanted to work. And I didn't want a boss anymore. All my life, I'd had a boss from my dad to bosses in the work world. And I just thought, I think it's time. So it took me about a year to get the courage from that fateful meeting to actually leaving Tony Robbins and going out on my own. And Since then, it's been a crazy ride. The first two years of being an entrepreneur, nothing like I thought it would be. I thought I'd be sipping Mai Tais on the beach with a laptop (laughs) in my lap and just enjoying it. 
It didn't look anything like that, but it's really morphed into something spectacular over the years. So now I teach people how to build businesses online by taking their expertise and turning it into a digital course. And I've done that for years and years, but in the beginning, ooh, it was a little rocky. Wow. And you've turned over $10 million and you've had over 400,000 courses sold. That's amazing, babe. It's been an incredible ride. And we just actually hit $70 million in digital course sales, which I never thought that would be my reality. It's just been a crazy ride. But here's the thing. I started out to want to create my own business to have more freedom in my life. But over the 13 years, what I've realized is what gets me out of bed in the morning now, and I really can say this with all integrity, is that there are women out there that are in a nine to five job or just a situation that no longer serves them. They know they want more. They know something's missing. But many women that come into my world, they're not really sure what to do or how to get started or what they would even turn into an online business. So those are the women that I think about daily. And I think there's a whole world waiting for you. And it's my job to introduce it to you. And so that's why I do what I do today. Mm, Thank goodness for you. Thank goodness. So for someone listening, who is one of those women who knows, has this yearning deep within them that there is something more, that the job that they're in isn't serving them or the situation that they're in isn't serving them, but they don't know where to start. Like they don't know what is next for me? How could I start a business? What is your suggestion? Like, how do you guide someone from that position? Yes, it's such a great question because it's a big question for them. Like, what do I do? Where do I go? And, you know, when you think of the online space, so for me, I'm always encouraging women to get into the online space because there are no limitations for location or financial freedom and all of that good stuff is there. But when you think about that, there's so much you could do. Coaching, consulting, group coaching, a service-based business, digital courses, memberships, masterminds. There is so much you can create. But before you start thinking about what am I going to create in terms of the container I'm going to put it in, the women listening today that are thinking, what would I do? I want you to start thinking about your expertise, your knowledge, your know-how. This applies to digital courses, but also so many other things. When I teach my students how to create a course, I tell them all you need is a 10% edge, which means you need to be 10% ahead of those that you serve. You don't need 10 years of certification or more education. You already have the wisdom and knowledge in you. You just need to have gotten results for yourself or for somebody else, a family member, a friend, a client, a customer. And you have to be willing to teach that roadmap. How did you get those results? And so a lot of people, way too much pressure thinking they need to know more or wait or get more education. Absolutely not. You've gotten results for yourself or for somebody else, probably in many areas. That could be your business. Mm, It's so important that you mentioned that 10% because I know from working one-on-one with clients and in my masterminds and my groups, People say to me, but I'm not healed, so I couldn't possibly teach people about health or I'm still working through my own stuff in my relationship, so I couldn't put out a relationship course or I haven't made $70 million online, so I can't teach about that or I don't have a million followers on social media, so I can't teach about social media. So I'm so glad that you mentioned just 10%. Yeah. And Not only that, it has to be something that you're really passionate and lit up by, yeah? Absolutely. When you were saying that, it reminded me, I gave this example to a student the other night. I said, okay, let's pretend that your best friend was out of shape, didn't have a lot of energy, not feeling her best self, and she decided to go on a crusade to get healthy and run her first marathon. And so what she did was going from totally unhealthy, no energy, not vibrant at all. For six months, she trained and she ran a marathon and she did it. It was a huge success for her. And you looked at her and said, I want to do that. How did you do that? Tell me all the things. And she started telling you her meal plan, her fitness plan, the tennis shoes she bought, all the things. And you're just writing it all down. At no time would you stop her and say, wait a second, how many years of education do you have to be telling me what your tennis shoes are and what you'd recommend for me? 
You would never do that because she did something that you love and you can relate to her. You like her, you like her style. So you want to know what she did. You don't care about her certifications or anything. And that's exactly how your students will feel about you when you start training. But what you need is you need to connect with those students so they want to learn from you. And that's one of the places you start to go back to your original question. Where do they start? Content creation, start putting content out there just to see how people receive it. Yes, I love that. And they can put that out through social media or they can start an email list, which you talk so much about. And we'll get into the power of email lists in a moment. But it's so important that we just start offering free content, giving, sharing, free downloads, audios, a podcast, a blog. All of these avenues are ways that we can share free content. Yeah. But what if someone has five things that they're really passionate about or that they're really good at? They're really good at helping people with their health or relationships or online business or parenting, whatever it is. Can we do all of them or do you feel like they just have to choose one to start? What if they're multi-passionate? I love this. Whenever I hear the term multi-passionate, I think of our mutual friend, Marie Forleo. And one of the things that she teaches is you don't have to make money on everything that you love to do, on all of your passions. Some of those passions and interests can be hobbies, can be things that light you up, but you don't need to make money from all of that. So my advice is let's choose one thing and let's go all in. Now you can change it down the road. You can tweak it and pivot. But right now, when you focus on one thing and give it your full attention, that's how it gets to flourish. So because of that, let's say you're really good at five things, which is so great. Like a lot of people can't even think of one thing they would want to do, but then there are a lot of people that have way too many ideas. So I always take my students through what I call the sweet spot exercise. So when you think about what you would want to create, either for a digital course, a membership, a group coaching, whatever it is, first of all, think about your expertise, your knowledge, your know-how, where you've gotten results, either in your business or in your personal life. So there's probably a few different areas you can choose from. But the second quadrant is, who do you want to serve? Think about who you would really love to work with. And when you think about that group, think, where do they struggle? What do they need? What are their pain points, their desires? When you think about who you want to serve, you could probably make an educated guess on some of the areas they're struggling with related back to your expertise and how you can help them. So the third quadrant is, Where have people spent money and time on topics related to what you want to do? Let's say you want to teach people how to run a marathon. Are there podcasts about it? Are there books about it? Are there digital courses about it? If the answer is yes on any of those, that is a good thing. A lot of times people will say, everything I want to do, everyone else is doing it. It's already been done before. Everything has been done before. There are no original ideas. And so anything you want to create likely has been created, but not by you, my friend. So we do not ever worry about that. We let that float on by. So think about where people have spent money and is your expertise something that actually people would pay for? And the fourth and most important quadrant is what lights you up because you might be good at five different things that you could teach on, but what do you really want to teach about? What could you talk about all day long? Because you and I both know you will be talking about it all day long. Absolutely. For someone who is starting out, and if you take yourself back 13 years ago when you first started out, what would you do differently now knowing what you now know? Ah, love this question. The first thing I would do is I would fuel my brain with so much inspiration and learn how to manage my mindset. I didn't realize 13 years ago getting into this that 80% of what I was going to do would be determined by how I think and how I feel and the actions I take, meaning my mindset. So it starts with those thoughts that you're having and can you manage those? And when you have the negative thoughts, which we all do, every single day, 13 years in, I still do. Can I decide I'm not going to choose that thought and I'm going to choose a different thought, which leads me to a different action. So managing my mindset, I didn't even understand how important that was as an entrepreneur. So I would invest in a coach or a therapist or a way to really make sure I take care of myself first. The other thing I would do different is I wouldn't take it all so seriously. So I thought every decision I made in that first year, I'd be stuck with for the rest of my life. 
And I don't know about you, but my first two years of business looked dramatically different than what I've created today. Would you say the same about your business? Oh my goodness, 100%. It's not set in stone. Every decision you make is not as important as you think it might be, but you gotta make decisions. You gotta keep moving forward and stay in the game, even when you don't know how it's gonna work out or have all the answers. I just wish I didn't take it all so seriously in the beginning. What do you think is the biggest thing that stops people from taking that step forward to discovering what it is that lights them up or to starting? the online business or launching the program or the product or whatever it is? What do you think are the biggest things that stop people from reaching their true success? When you ask that question, a few things come to mind. The first thing is, and we've talked about it tons and tons of times in the entrepreneurial space, imposter syndrome. Who am I to be doing this? I am not worthy. I don't know enough. I need to wait and study more or spend more time doing this or that. It's not feeling as though you're ready because you don't feel like you're worthy. And that is a big one with my students and it comes up a lot. But beyond just, I don't feel worthy. Another thing that comes up a lot is what will people think? 13 years ago when I started this, I was so worried to do video and I thought, what will my old coworkers think and what will Tony Robbins think? I used to think this all the time. I don't want to show up on video. What are they going to think of me? They're going to be like, who is she to be doing this? She doesn't know enough. She doesn't know that stuff. And my sweet husband took me aside probably in the first month of doing my own business. And he said, hey, babe, Tony Robbins is not thinking about you. He's got other (laughs) things to do. He's moving on with his life. I think you're good. And it was so embarrassing and humbling, but I'm like, oh, you're right. The whole world is not thinking about me right now. And I felt like all eyes were on me. It's never that way, my friend. That's one thing I want all listeners to know. And then I want to get a little bit more tactical in terms of what's stopping people. A lot of times it's, I don't have a website yet. I don't have an email list yet. I haven't created a lot of content or I don't have a lot of followers on social media. And so we all start with zero. We all start with nobody on our email list. We all start with no website and everyone's first website is kind of ugly. I don't know any other way to go around it. So it's that I don't have these things in place. All you have to do is say, I will get these things in place as I go one day at a time. I feel as though all those things start to coming together, but you just have to get started. A hundred percent. And you're known as the queen of baby steps. Yes. Which I love because it is just a matter of baby steps, putting one foot in front of the other and continuously showing up each day, even sometimes when you don't feel like it. I call that voice inside your head, the imposter. I call that your inner mean girl. Even when she is saying, who do you think you are? You can't start a course on this. Like, who do you think you are? And to be honest, I've been dealing with her a little bit lately because I'm about to launch this program that I have poured my heart and soul into. That's when she makes her appearance very well known. (laughs) Totally. And it's the first big thing I've done since coming back off maternity leave. And so when you have a baby, you go through this huge transition from maiden to mother known as matrescence and everything shifts. My brain has changed. That baby brain thing, it's your brain changing. And I remember feeling like, who am I now? Like I'm a completely different human being to before I gave birth, because when you birth a baby, you birth a new version of yourself. And I've got full goosebumps just even sharing this. But this program that I've got coming out called Holy Mama, I have poured my heart and soul into it. And there's been that imposter, that inner mean girl saying, who do you think you are sharing about this stuff? Like you haven't done a doctorate on parenting or conscious conception, but you know what? I have studied it like I was doing a PhD and I have lived it. And that is the most important thing. And I'm so passionate about it. Like I could talk about conscious parenting, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and conscious conception until the cows came home. It's lighting me up so much right now. I can tell you talking about (laughs) it. And imagine like people are listening to you talking about it, thinking, I know people in your audience are like, I cannot wait to buy that. But imagine if you didn't put it out into the world, two things would happen. Number one, you would be dimming your light and playing small. And you know this stuff and you know you know this stuff. But also if you don't do it, somebody else will. And I can promise you, you'll look at it and think, I could have done that better. (laughs) 
this is meant for you. I love hearing your excitement around it. Oh, I am so excited about it. And honestly, I have studied this topics, conscious conception, pregnancy, birth, and parenting from the moment I met my husband, which was November 2013. Oh my gosh. Because before that, I was like, I don't want to get married and I don't want to have kids. Then I met my soulmate and I'm like, I want to marry you and I want to have your babies. And so (laughs) I knew that one day we were going to have babies. And so I went on my conscious conception journey from there, even though I knew it was still years off for us. Like it wasn't something that we were going to do immediately. I knew that one day down the track, we wanted to have a beautiful baby or babies. And so I started preparing. I read every book. I studied it like I was doing a PhD. I interviewed, I had a podcast and I got to interview the world's best experts on those topics, which is just amazing. And now I've distilled all of this information into a program, which I'm so excited to put out into the world. And you're right. If I don't do it, someone else will. And it's just a matter of putting one foot in front of the other and just continuously showing up those baby steps, continuously putting one foot in front of the other and doing the work. And going back to what you said before about people saying, and I hear this a lot too, oh, it's all been done before or that's been done before, but not your way, not Melissa's way, not Amy's way. And that's like someone saying, oh, I'm not going to be a hairdresser because there's already so many hairdressers or I'm not going to become a plumber because there's so many plumbers and (laughs) no, there's no hairdresser like you that has your unique flavor. It's so true. Yeah. You know, and I love something else you said that I want everyone to pay attention to. When you were saying, I've studied it for years, I've read all the books, I've talked to the experts, it's been part of my life since the minute I met that man. And to me, we forget how much time and effort we put into learning our craft. We take it for granted. We think, well, it comes so easy to us now, or we know so much, we forget all the times and experiences that we've been in the trenches. That counts for something and you can't discount that. So I think it's so important. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes, and I'm so excited to get it out there. We've spoken about a few things that you would have done differently in business if you were to start over now. What are some big life lessons that you've learned on your journey? Another thing I heard you say on your podcast is that you made a decision to not have children and you have a bonus son. I call my stepson a bonus son. How old is he? He is now 20. He was in my life since he's four. So he's a grown man now. Oh my gosh. Well, mine is 16 and he is so beautiful. And it's amazing being a bonus parent. And that comes with challenges too. And it's also an amazing opportunity for growth and spiritual growth. But do you feel like you would have been able to have all of the business success that you have if you had have decided to have children? So you're right. I made a decision fairly early on in my marriage to Hobie, my husband, that we weren't going to have kids. And at first we thought we would. And then I started to build this business and got really into it. And time was just going by. And I thought, I just don't think it's in the cards for us. And he agreed. He would go either way. And so I'm like, what do you think? He's like, we're good with Cade, my sweet son. Cade is perfect and beautiful and we love him dearly. And he always said he didn't want a sibling. So we always joked, well, Cade said he wanted to be the only child anyway, so we're good. So I didn't have kids. I also got scared that maybe I would regret it. It was definitely a big decision and very close to my heart to say, I hope I made the right decision. To answer your question, I believe I could absolutely have the business I have today if I had children, but I also believe it would have looked very different. I had a huge advantage and I believe this. I didn't have toddlers around the house. I didn't have babies. I didn't go through any of that. And so I was able to probably fast track some of my success Whereas I have so many moms in my audience and I have 20 women working with me full time. And for some reason, they're all having babies right now. And I have a soft place to think that has to come first before any work they do with me. And they're still going to be amazing when they come back and do their thing. So to answer your question, I'd still have the business I have today. Oh my gosh, it would look so different though. The journey would look so different. Yeah, absolutely. And it shifts. And you can have both. I feel like there's three camps and I've spoken about this so much on my podcast. There's boss babes like you 
And then there's mamas who are just going for it at home, being the best mama they can be. And then there's people like me who are a blend, being a boss babe and being a mama. And I love doing both. And so there's these three camps and none are better than the other. None are more right than the other. They just are. And I think what we need to do is choose what one you want. Choose which camp you want to be in and then go all in hard out. And it sounds like all of your staff, all 20 of them that are on maternity leave, they all need to do the Holy Mama program. So I'm going to send it to you. (laughs) Okay, please. I have two women that are going out on maternity leave soon. I would love to buy your program and give them a beautiful gift because I think both of them would find it so empowering. Absolutely. They're both new moms both just really excited and nervous at the same time. So it would be beautiful. But you said something that made me think about being this boss babe and being this mom and doing both. And earlier you said, are there things you would have done differently along the way? One being, I didn't have kids and that looked different for me versus your journey. One thing that I did that I would do very differently if I could do it all over again is not get caught up in the hustle mentality. So when I came on the scene 13 years ago, it was really a bunch of guys teaching internet marketing. It was the bro marketing era and they thrive in that hustle mentality. And I don't believe most women do, but I got right in there with them and I did the thing, worked my life away in the beginning, probably why I chose not to have children because I couldn't even fathom how that would even fit into a, a hustle lifestyle. And then my husband who puts family and life before any kind of work, and I love him for that, he said, I miss you. I don't even see you anymore. And my marriage is everything to me. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to go down that road. I come from divorced parents. I do not want to have to go through that. And so I changed things. And over the years, I do not work nearly as much as I used to work. And I make way more money than I used to. And I do believe there's a correlation. You can make more money and make a bigger impact and work less. So I moved my team to a four-day work week. Having that many women and moms in my business, I knew working, working, working was not the answer. So we work Monday through Thursday, eight hours a day, take Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off. We do not work nights. We do not work weekends. And I don't. And that's a big thing too. I used to always do that. And my husband and I recently bought a lake house right outside of Nashville. And we go there every weekend in the summer. And usually it's just the two of us. And he said, I can't believe how present you are. It's so dramatically different. And I think, I wish I could get all those years back that I worked my life away. And it was absolutely not necessary. I know that resonates with so many people, so many people, because we only get one precious life. Ah, Amen. We only get one and we don't know how long we're here for. And my husband and I are writing a book about this together. This is my fifth book and it's coming out next year with HarperCollins. And it's my first book with my husband. And this is what it's about. It's about how do you want to spend this one precious, sacred life of yours? We only get one. The average person lives to 80, 80. So if you take away your current age, how much have you got left? And then if you actually break down how much time we spend on social media and emails and working and just things in our life, when you take all of that away, then how many years do you really have? And so it's so important that we take this lesson, this lesson from you about hustling and pushing. And for me, it always comes back to how we live our every day is how we live our life. And how am I being today in my day today between doing the dance of motherhood and boss babe, which I do every day during the day. Like right now, my baby girl is with her nanny and they're having a great time. I can hear them laughing in the distance, but how can I bring joy to my work and how can I bring joy to my parenting? Because it's today. Today is the only day that matters. Today is the only day that matters. And when you're present at the lake house, that just must mean the world to your partner. Something that I heard you say one time on a podcast was divorced men are the best men because my husband's divorced. I thought that about you when you said you had this bonus kid. Yes, marrying a divorced man was the best decision I have (laughs) ever made. He works really hard to make sure that this marriage is the final marriage for him. It's such a gift. Oh, babe, I always say that Nick had a practice marriage. (laughs) He got to practice. He got to fall down and stumble and 
go through all of that. Get all that out. Yeah, get all of that out of the way. And so (laughs) I say now, he sounds like how Hobie is like so dedicated, such an incredible life partner. And I just... We're so lucky, both of us. So fortunate. I thank my lucky stars every day for Hobie. Totally. Me too. Me too. So I love that you said that in one of your podcasts. I heard it somewhere and I was like, yes, girl, they are the best (laughs) men. (laughs) The best men. (laughs) Going back to business stuff, talk to me about the importance of list building. So I always tell my students that I understand that if you're going to start a business, if you're going to get out there and do this thing, list building is not the sexiest thing you want to do. It feels like it takes forever, a little bit confusing when you get started. It's not something that you just want to do. There's other things you're more excited to do. However, I feel as though it's the one most important asset in your business that will give you security and consistent revenue and allow you to connect with your audience beyond anything else that is out there. Now, of course, the first question that comes comes up is what about social media? I've got tons of followers on Instagram and those people are engaging with me. Who wants to receive another email? Well, the thing is when you do email, right, your audience is looking forward to hearing from you and they connect with you in a way that does not happen on social media when they're scrolling, 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 and distracted by a million things. Studies have shown that email marketing will produce four times better results than any social media posts you can do. So right there alone, and I've seen it over and over again, email marketing is more powerful, can make you more money and allow your business to scale faster. But the thing is, it does take time. And so I want everyone to hear that, number one, you don't have to have an email list of 100,000 people for it to work. I have students who have had 100 people on their email list. They launched their first digital course. One of my students, Rob Green, he's a photographer, made $12,000 with a list of 100 people. He's literally one person out of many I could share stories about. So the thing is, the best time to grow an email list was yesterday. So the best next time is today. That's how important it is. And the way you get started is with an email service provider. There's tons out there, many free options, and you got to create that lead magnet, that one freebie that you know people would give up their hot commodity, name an email, and exchange for that freebie. Checklist, cheat sheet, short video, short audio. I'm sure everyone listening has signed up for something before. That's what we've got to do, but you've got to get started. And so the best place to start for someone who's like, I don't know, I don't know where to start. I've got maybe so many ideas. Where's the best place to start? And the second question I had is some of your opt-ins are incredible. They're 25 pages long. They're beautifully designed. They're sexy. How sexy (laughs) do they have to be? I'm going to answer that one first. So one of the things I always teach is do not compare your business to someone who has been around for a long time because you will never measure up. I better have sexy lead magnets because I teach this stuff. So it better be extra good. But you can have a one-page cheat sheet. The thing that matters the most is what does your audience want right now? And I always say, meet them where they're at. Right now, right this minute, before you sell them anything, what are they thinking about? What are they struggling with? What could really help them move forward? And I'm not talking about a full transformation. I'm talking about just a little nudge forward and make them feel like they're not alone. So I love like one of my girlfriends has an audio download. That's her freebie of how to feel wealthy, no matter how much money you have. It's changing your mindset around money. And it's a 10 minute audio meditation. It's beautiful. People love it. And she has grown her email list so quickly with something like that. And so it can be simple. You could get it done in the next 24 hours. It's really just answering the call. What could I help them with right now that they'd feel like, oh, this is really exactly what I needed. And you always just have to start. You put something out there. If people don't respond to it, you try something else. Remember, nothing is set in stone. Yes, I love that. And I've done so many different things over the years. I've done quizzes, audios, videos. I currently have an incredible meditation. It's called a Zentone meditation on my website as my opt-in. It's got binaural beats, self-regio frequencies, and isochronic tones. And it's the equivalent of one hour of meditation in 11 minutes. I will be signing up for that the (laughs) minute we get up. I've just started to meditate more. That is what I need. And because of all of those um, binaural beats and self-regio frequencies and isochronic tones, it drops you into the most 
blissful state very quickly in that 11 minutes. So you're essentially getting that hour of meditation in 11 minutes and they are so powerful. We worked with this sound engineer in India to create this and it's incredible. So that's currently my Optim and it does so well. But there's other things that I want to do. I have so many other ideas. So I have all of these ideas that I want to do and I want to test and I want to see what resonates and what does really well. And so you have inspired me that it doesn't need to be a 25-page, beautiful, sexy PDF. Like it can just be an audio or a one-pager, a cheat sheet, a checklist, a discount code. Women love checklists. If you're serving women, we love a good checklist. Tell us what we need to do and let us accomplish every step of the way by checking it off. That is simple, but very powerful. Totally. And like, how good does it feel when you tick things off? Uh, like my happy place. (laughs) Totally, totally. So, okay, someone is thinking that, okay, I've got some ideas for my email list. I'm going to start building that. I'm going to start sharing it with my friends and my family and my social media. I have maybe one or two really great ideas of a course that I want to create. Then what? How do we map out the course? Besides doing your incredible program, do you have any other advice? How do we go about creating a course. So once you go through the sweet spot exercise where you come up with a course topics, where's your expertise? What is your audience struggling with? What will make you money and what lights you up? So that's your sweet spot. That's where you're going to develop your course topic. Once you do that, the next thing you want to do is start thinking about, well, what type of course might I create? Now that I'm clear about the topic I might want to create, what type of course? And there's three types of courses I teach. A starter course, a spotlight course, and a signature course. So a starter course is like a basic 101 type course. You create it quickly and then your audience can get through it in a weekend. And you're just getting them started in an area that they have always wanted to get some momentum in. So it's not a huge transformation. And with something like that, you could charge $100, $200 per unit of your course. So you can make some really great money. So that's a starter course. A spotlight course is where you take one area of your expertise and you go deep in that one area. So I mentioned Rob Green earlier. He had a list of 100 people. He made $12,000. Well, his course was how to do flash photography in a photo shoot. Very specific. Rob knows 20 other things he could create a course about, but he went deep with one topic. And when you go deep and specific, you can charge more. Anywhere from $200 to $500 usually. And then the third type of course is a signature course. And this is like the Mac daddy of all courses where you promise a really big transformation. It takes you longer to create and it takes your student longer to get through, but you also get a big transformation and you get to charge more, 500 all the way up to $3,000. So when you're thinking about maybe I want to create a course as a side hustle or just an extra stream of revenue, start thinking about the type of course you want to create. Because once you say, okay, I'm going to create a spotlight course, I'm going to take one area of my expertise and go deep. Now you can start thinking about well, what might you teach? And in what way might you teach it for your roadmap? The content starts to flow when you know what type of course you want to create. Mm, I love that. And I love those three options. That's awesome. I really love that. In terms of pricing, how do we know what to price our courses at? This is something that people ask me a lot. How do we know? Okay. So first you determine the type of course and that should give you a ballpark. So let's say, okay, I want to do a spotlight course. So I said anywhere from about 200 to $500 is the benchmark that I usually teach my students, but that's a big range. From there, what I do usually is I look around and see what else is out there. And I ask myself, do I want to be the low level in the middle premium pricing? Where do I want to fall? And that's really just a preference. There's no right or wrong there at all. And so once you kind of figure out where you want to fall in the marketplace in terms of your course and your pricing, another thing you want to think about is, will you be confident to sell it at that price. Now, I don't mean, will you be a little nervous? We're all a little nervous when we first sell our digital course. But I, when I was really new, tried to sell a course for $1,000, where in my mind, I'm like, I am not comfortable with this. This is way beyond my comfort zone. And when I got to selling it online, I'd freeze up. So I just wasn't ready. I didn't have the experience yet. So I'm all for maybe starting a little lower and then you always can increase, which is a beautiful thing. Yes. And it has to feel good for you. If it doesn't feel good, like you said, you're not going to have that confidence 
when selling it on social media and in your newsletter and people will feel that. Absolutely. When I tried to sell that $1,000 course when I knew I wasn't ready to do so, everyone knew that I was nervous. Everyone knew I wasn't feeling grounded in my opportunity for them. And they feel that and they don't buy. So that's another thing you want to be really aware of. Yes. And talk to me about, you've got, you said 10 women on your team. Was that right? I have 22 people on my team and 20 of them are women and two of them are men and they're gay. (laughs) We just hired another guy and he's straight, but it's a funny dynamic that there's a lot of female energy on my team. Yes. I love that. And is it all virtual? It's all virtual. Everybody works and they're own home all across the U.S. So everyone's in the U.S. And I'm here in Nashville. And it just so happens that two of my employees are also nearby, but everybody else is all around the world. Beautiful. I love that. And talk to me about hiring. This is something that people may need to embark on when their course takes off. You know, they might need some support. So how did you go hiring your first employee? And now you've got all of these people. What's some advice? Because this can be, it's an art. It is. And hiring, I will tell you, has probably been one of the biggest challenges that I've had as an entrepreneur, figuring out who's right for the job and then supporting them and nurturing them and helping them grow in the company. It's a huge responsibility as a business owner. And I've really had to be intentional about learning how to be a better leader because I'm an introvert and I could work by myself, head down for hours and hours and not worry about anyone else. You can't do that when you start to bring people on your team. You're right. It's an art and it's something that I've had to really pay attention to and learn and grow in that area. But my very first hire was a virtual assistant and she was five hours a week. And I remember like it was yesterday when I called her and gave her the position. I remember I was sitting in the car, just got done from a dentist appointment. I was in my car on the phone thinking, I don't even know if I can afford her. I am terrified that I won't be able to pay her at the end of the week. Now, I definitely could, but that's a normal thing that we all feel like, I hope I'll make enough money to pay these people I'm hiring. But the thing is, the people you hire should help you make more money in your business. They should help you actually ease into offering more. One of my friends said, whenever he hires, he thinks, are they going to help me convert more people into my world, like more leads, more sales? Are they going to help me grow the business? Be very mindful of how they're going to contribute. So virtual assistant is the best person, I think, the first person to bring on your team. And then she became part-time very quickly, but I had to start with five hours. I was so nervous. Yeah, that was my first hire as well. Her name was Tina and I actually shared her with one of my best friends at the time who was also starting her online business. And so we shared this VA and because we couldn't afford to have her full-time ourselves. So we shared her and it was amazing. We had similar businesses. And so, yeah, she learned the ropes from both of us, which was awesome. That was so smart. I love that idea. Yeah, yeah. Sharing is great. I would love to hear what is your definition of success and what do you attribute your success to? My definition of success is having the freedom to work when I want, where I want and how I want and live how I want to live. To me, I have succeeded if I choose to go to the lake this weekend and I don't have to work and I can be fully present with Hobie. I am successful in that moment. So to me, it's freedom all day long. And I attribute it to the fact that relationships to me are the most important thing in this world, whether they be with my husband, with my family, with my son, that is everything. Because at the end of the day, I know it's so cliche, but no one's looking at how hard you worked in your job when you're on your deathbed. But definitely the people that are surrounding you, that's what really, really counts. And I want to make sure that I remember that every single step of the way. So when I think of why I want to be a success, it truly is because I want really enriched relationships relationships in my life. Mm, Beautiful. And how do we focus on our relationships? How do we give more to them? How do we be better in our relationships? I have had to really think about that for a long time because I was a workaholic and I worked more than I put the effort into my own relationship. And one of the things was I had to get very clear on what was most important to me. I did a lot of work and journaling and meditation around at the end of the day, 
What are my top priorities? And work was never at that top of my list, but I had to realize that it was something that I had to say, okay, wait, hold on. If I'm working my life away, but work is not at the very top of that priority list, what is there? And when I realized it was family and relationships, that's when I said, I have to change some things around. So for me, it was changing around my life, how I did life in order to be congruent with what I felt was most important. So it's a lot of mindfulness. Mm, Absolutely. Which is why I created the Mindful Mama, you know, bringing mindfulness to parenting, to your pregnancy, to every area of your life, your health, your relationships. It's so important. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. What's bringing you the most joy in your life right now? Oh, so what's bringing me the most joy? So I'm going to give you two answers. The first one is spending time at the lake with Hobie. It's a new thing. The lake house is about a year old and it just got renovated. So we just got to enjoy it this summer. And we pull into that driveway and go into the house and look at the lake and we look at each other and we think, I can't believe this is our reality that we get to unplug at this beautiful place every weekend. It brings me absolute joy. I sleep like a baby there (laughs) and I just am so present with myself and Hobie that it's beautiful. So that's one thing that's bringing me joy. And then another thing is I just wrote my first book. It's not out yet. It's out in February of 2023, but it's called Two Weeks Notice. And it's all about how to leave behind what's no longer serving you and move toward what you really want. And so specifically leaving a nine to five job, starting an online business. And you know this with five books. When you said that, I'm like, oh my gosh, this book has been difficult. It's a big undertaking, as you know. And I feel really proud that the book is written, the manuscripts into the publisher, it's happening. And I'm very excited about it. Oh, babe, I'm so excited to read it. I was actually thinking, is Amy going to write a book one day? Because she really should. (laughs) Ah, I love that. I'm so glad that you have written this book. I'm so excited to read it. Speaking of books, if you had a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum, of every high school around the world. Now, presume yours is already in the curriculum. (laughs) Right, right, right. Because it should be. I know exactly what book it is. What? It's called The Gap in the Gain. Have you read it? No. Oh, so good. So it's Dan Sullivan and Benjamin Hardy. And I read it just recently and I thought, oh my gosh, why didn't I have this book when I started my business? And I'd love high schoolers to have it. I'm absolutely sending it to my son in college. It's this concept of living in the gain or the gap. The gap is I haven't gone far enough. Look how much I still need to do. In business, I made $100,000, but my goal was $200,000, so I'm $100,000 off. And you focus only on that, which I've done so many times. Or the gain is, I started with zero and I just made $100,000. Look at me. This is amazing. Living your life in the gain and always, they tell you to measure backwards. Where were you and where are you now? Not where do you want to go? And it was such a simple concept that I was not doing in my life. So every day, my husband and I remind each other when we go down negative town or go off the rails a little, live in the game, come back to the game. It's helped so much. Oh, I love that. I'm going to link to it in the show notes as well as your amazing programs and books and everything. I'm going to read that. But it's that whole mentality of the glass half full or the glass half empty. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so important. Yeah, we want to be the people that are in the game. And they're also way more fun to be around. So much more fun. (laughs) I have a girlfriend, Susie Moore, and she always talks about let it be easy. And isn't this so fun? And I'm going to enjoy it. Everything she talks about. I love being around her because she always lives in the game. And so it's a magnetic type of energy. And I want to have that. Absolutely. And like right now, I am in one of the busiest work times. And I don't use that word busy. I use the word full. I'm in one of the most fullest times of my life. Coming back off maternity leave, I have Holy Mama program. I've got a product, the Mindful Mama journal that I've just created and launched, which is beautiful. I've got the book. I've got my podcast. And I have a daughter who's 15 months. And so, For me, when I wanted to do all of these projects, I said, I'm only going to do it if I do it 
with ease and grace. And I had this conversation with myself. I was like, okay, Melissa, the launch is three months out. I'm getting guest experts inside the program, which I've got to do a lot of work with that. And then I've got to record all of the content and things like that. And I'm writing the content and I'm editing the sales pages and doing, all. you know, I'm doing the webinar, I'm doing all the things. And I'm like, if I can't do today with ease and grace, I'm going to go back to bed. So Melissa, either do it with ease and grace or go back to bed. And I can't go back to bed because I have a daughter. (laughs) So I have this little chat with myself every morning when I'm actually filling out my mama journal, which I do every morning and every evening. I just have this conversation with myself. I'm like, if you cannot move through today, yes, you have this many things on your to-do list. Yes, it's abundant. And it's beautiful. But if you can't do it with ease and grace, don't bother doing it. Amen. And my husband reminds me, he says it to me all the time too. He goes, honey, if this is overwhelming you, don't do it because it's not worth it. Yes. It's not worth the stress. It's not worth the energy that it brings to my team or to my home. Absolutely. I love that. Do it with ease and grace or don't do it at all. And because most of us are achievers, we're like, no, 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 I want to do it. Okay, then do it with ease and grace. That is your only decision. I love that. Yeah. Have a pep talk with yourself every morning. That's what I do. There's nothing I can do. And also like, and I'm not proud of this. I've brought that stress energy to my team. And then I go to bed and I feel guilty and I'm like, oh, I feel so guilty that I just vomited my stress all over them. And I'm meant to be the leader. Coming back to what you're saying before, I'm meant to be the leader here. And I've just vomited my stress onto them. And this is not the leader that I want to be. So Melissa, check yourself, do it with ease and grace or don't do it at all. And we're all learning and we're all growing. But yeah, have a little pep talk with yourself. I think that's so smart. I do pep talks all the time. Yeah. What are you working on within yourself at the moment? Or what's something that you would like to improve within yourself? You know, I've been on a health journey for maybe about the last six, seven months where I went through a lot of anxiety and depression last year. I publicly talked about it on my podcast where I really struggled. So my health was not a priority because I was dealing with that and I just couldn't seem to get it together. So this year I thought, okay, come on now. We got to get this together because I want to feel good in all that I do. And so I got to a place that I do feel good. And for me, my journey is I've lost weight and I'm more vibrant. But now I was talking to our mutual friend, Jenna Kutcher, together we're doing this health challenge that now we're going to go to the next level. Like, let's take it to the next place. More water, more movement, healthier foods, like really dial it in. And I'm excited about it. And I'm excited to do it with a friend. So it's a beautiful thing to have an accountability partner. I want to feel vibrant. I'm going into a book launch later this year. I want to put my best self forward. So that is where personally what I'm doing to work on myself. Oh, I love that. I've heard Jenna talk about her friend online that she's doing this. Now I know it's you. (laughs) Yeah, it's me. So we're really having a good time with it. Oh, I love that. I love accountability buddies for health, for relationships, for career, whatever it is. Parenting. I've got a beautiful conscious mothers group that we have a group chat. There's seven of us in there. We're constantly messaging each other and giving each other pep talks and holding each other accountable. And it's just really beautiful to have that support. I love it. I love my girlfriends, whether it be in business or personal. I just couldn't do life without them. So I totally agree. It's beautiful. Talk about how your day looks now. I love hearing about people's morning routines and like how you structure your day. So can you talk to us about from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, all of your little rituals and routines and everything you do? Yes. Okay. So I'm a ritual kind of girl. It's a big deal to me. So when I get up in the morning, I usually get up around 530, which is before my husband, which I love because I want my mornings by myself. So I get up at 5.30 and I will do my supplements, my peptides, all the things that I do for biohacking and taking care of my health. So I'll take care of that right away because if I get busy, it's not happening. So I got to be really intentional. From there, I'll do a meditation, whether it be 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and I do it in front of a red light. Speaking of Jenna, I got that idea from Jenna. I don't know what that red light is doing to me, but (laughs) I feel great afterwards. It doesn't matter. It's so great. It like changes my mood, but I don't really think that's the point of it, but I do it in front of this red light and it's been amazing. 
And then I journal for 10 minutes. So journaling has always been a little bit difficult for me. It's not something I always love to do, but afterwards I'm like, oh, glad I got those thoughts out of my head and onto paper and I can be done with them. So I do the journaling. And then if it's a day that I'm going to work out, which is usually every other day, I'll go into my home gym. And I'll do weights or cardio or whatever. I work with a virtual trainer who I work with in an app. So she'll load up my workouts and I'll talk to her through the app. So it's been great accountability because I know she's looking to see if I did it. And so I'll do my workout. And then from there, by that time, Hobie's up. And Hobie values, if you look at the love languages, quality time. For him, it's quality time. For me, it's acts of service. You take out the trash and you're the sexiest husband in the world. But for Hobie, sit down with me, have a cup of coffee, put your phone down, let's connect. And he loves that. If the morning allows, I'll sit down with Hobie on the couch, put my phone down and be present with him for 15, 20 minutes. It's all it takes for his day to be wonderful. So he's an easy, easy man in that sense. So I'll do that. And then by then it's time to get in the shower and we're, it's go time. I usually have my first meeting around 9 a.m. or call or interview or whatever. And from nine to five, I am in it, especially when you work a four day work week, there's not a lot of room for any fluff. The thing that has helped me immensely is I have an executive assistant that a virtual assistant that I work with and she controls my calendar. So I do not put anything in that calendar or else I will absolutely mess it up. I'm notorious for messing up my calendar. So I don't touch the calendar at all. So what happens is the night before, before I shut down my work week or work day, I look at what the next day holds and I plan for it. And I'm very aware of what tomorrow is going to bring. So when I go to bed, I can rest my mind knowing I know what tomorrow is about. So when I get ready to work, I use a tool called Asana. It's a project management tool. And so I use Asana and I use a Google calendar. So if there is something in my calendar, it will also be in Asana. And the beauty of that is nothing has been assigned to me or I don't need to do anything today that hasn't been allotted for in terms of time on my calendar. Years ago, I'd have 20 things in an Asana task. There's no way there's time to do all of those things. I'd end every day, I couldn't get it all done and it felt horrible. So now when I look at all the tasks I need to get done, there's time allotted for me in the calendar where I know, oh, I actually can get this done if I keep focused and intentional about my day. It's a beautiful thing. Christine and I have really worked out the calendar and the project management so they match. And I just work through my day. It's podcast interviews, content creation, meetings with my team, Facebook lives with my students. That's typically how I spend most of my day. A lot of front facing, a lot of content creation. And then from there, I try to shut it down between five and six. I leave it all upstairs. I'm so lucky to have this house in Nashville. One of the reasons why we bought it, I'm in a video studio right now with this background is only for video. I don't work in here in that sense. Two lights here, a camera, I've got it all set up. And then next door, I have an office without all this technology because it kind of overwhelms me sometimes. So I've got an office and a video studio. I'm very fortunate. So I go downstairs and I am done. Everything is left upstairs. And that has proven to be a huge saving grace as well. So I'm not constantly pulled back into it. Oh, I love that. And it's so important. When I first started, I didn't have an office. So I was working on the kitchen table and it's not the same. I mean, I love working from home, but energetically, if you can have a door where there's a separation, it is so powerful. Even if it's a closet, it doesn't matter. Just hide somewhere. Yes, absolutely. And I know a lot of women just getting started. When you hear, I have a studio and an office, I did not have that for years when I first started. I too started at the kitchen table. I remember vividly that little brown kitchen table in a tiny condo in Carlsbad, California. I remember it like it was yesterday. But it is something that you get to aspire to. Like one day I'm going to have an office with a door. Imagine that. And then one day I'm going to have a little video studio. So it's all possible but it's not possible unless you get started. Absolutely. And you really inspired me with your Asana calendar structuring. I do the same as you. So at night, I look at my next day and I go, okay, cool. This is the day. Is it going to flow? Oh, there's an overlap there. Um, Nick, can you watch Bambi while I do this? Whatever. I literally said to him yesterday, and I said it the day before as well. I said, honey, 
it's not working. And I'm a very organized person, right? I'm very organized. I'm very type A. I am a generator in human design. I'm Aries. I get stuff done, right? But since coming back and I've got lots of projects I'm working on at the moment, between the book, the podcast, the journal, social media, the program, like all of these things, all of these tasks pop up in my asana, literally like 15 tasks. So first of all, I go, wow, how am I going to get this all done today? And I only work four hours a day. Ooh, so you got to get it done. So I've got to get it done. So I have two hours in the morning when she's with her nanny, which is now while we're recording this. And then I have two hours when she sleeps in the afternoon. And that's because at this season in my life, that's all I want to work because I want to be a really present mom. She's 15 months. That's what I want. So that means that I've got to be super productive in those four hours a day. And it means for this season in my life, I work on a Saturday or a Sunday in her sleep in you know that time because I can get another two hours in. It's not ideal that I work on the weekends, but it's just a phase, right? It's a season of life you're in. Absolutely. Exactly. So all of these tasks pop up in Asana and I just go, whoa, 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 where do I even begin? But I love that your assistant then goes and assigns specific time slots in the day for those things. I'm borrowing that. Please do. It really changed everything. And for a while I had the same problem. I'm like, well, how am I going to get this all done? But now I know I start every day. Like if I stay focused, it will get done. Yes, absolutely. What is your astrology and human design? Do you know? I don't know anything about that. I know I'm a Sagittarius, but I don't know much beyond that. Have you looked into human design? Do you know what you are or no? No, I don't even know what that is. I'm, oh. Do I need to look into this? <laughs> it's amazing. It's kind of like astrology. There's all these different designs and they tell you a lot about who you are. So I can look it up for you once we're finished and uh, tell you what you are. But Sagittarius, you're the same as my husband. You guys are go-getters. You're achievers. It does not surprise me that you're Sagittarius. <laughs> I'll have to look. Yeah, I'm very curious now about this human design. Yes, I love it. I love it so much. Okay, I now have three rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is one thing that we can do today for our health? Read a book or listen to a podcast that absolutely inspires you. Yes, I love that. What is one thing that we can do for our wealth? So more abundance in all areas of our life. Gratitude. If you get into gratitude, think of all the things you're grateful for. I really do believe that helps you be more abundant. Absolutely. And what's one thing that we can do for more love in our life? Oh, I love this. Talk to yourself nicer. Be nicer to yourself. Give yourself grace. Mm, absolutely. This has been so awesome. Amy, is there anything else that you want to share? Any last parting words of wisdom or anything that you really wanted to talk about? I feel like we covered it all. I guess the last thing I'll say is there's so many people listening right now that you don't even understand how much is out there for you if you want to change things up, if you want to try something new, if you want to start a business or just change the circumstances you're in now. There's a whole other world waiting for you. I'm proof of that with what I've done with my life and I'm sure you can relate to as well. Go out and get it. Go out and get it because it's waiting for you. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for this beautiful conversation, for all the work that you do in the world, for your podcast, your programs, your incredible opt-ins, for the book that's coming out. Everything that you do and share over the last 13 years has helped and served and supported so many people. You've changed so many lives. I want to know how I and the listeners can serve you. How can we help and serve you, Amy? Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for asking. You know, my podcast is a labor of love. It's called Online Marketing Made Easy. Anybody who's looking to build a business and try some new things in the online space, I'm your girl for sure. So listen to Online Marketing Made Easy if that inspires you at all. Oh, yes. And it is such an incredible podcast. And one of the many, many things that I love about you, and not just because you're such a wealth of knowledge and wisdom, but you are so happy. And I'm sure you have down moments. Of course, you're human. But the love and the passion that you have in your voice when you share, the authenticity that you speak with, it just really projects across everything that you do. And whenever I listen to you, I can't help but smile. 
Ah, that's such a compliment for someone to say, you seem so happy, which I am. It's such a compliment. So thank you for that. I accept that. Thank you. (laughs) You are so welcome. And thank you for being here, for sharing all of your wisdom with us. It has been such a pleasure. So many of our mutual friends are like, you've got to get Amy on the podcast. You've got it. And you've been on my dream list for so long. And it just so happened that the timing worked out. So it's perfect. Yes. Thank you again. This has been such a treat. I've enjoyed every minute of it. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you for everything and for being here and all the work you do. I am so inspired after this episode. My goodness me. There are so many ideas that I have swirling around my mind right now. I just can't wait to action them. I'm so excited. And I hope you are inspired and excited to take action as well. And if you got a lot out of this conversation, please subscribe to the show and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that all of my episodes will just pop up in your feed so that you don't have to go searching for a new episode. Now, please come and connect with me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me what you got from this episode. I love hearing from you and I love connecting with you. So come on over there and connect with me now. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this particular episode, please be an angel and share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them. Do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.